When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is another Waiting for Next Year podcast by on the Evergreen Podcast Network. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter tonight. I'm your host, Josh Paloha, with Joe Gerberry and Ethan Fornes. We are talking Cleveland Guardians baseball, and the MLB is back. Guys, the MLB is back. Uh, MLB, free agency, we, we MLB free agency started two hours ago. Unfortunately, no one I don't think has been signed yet, but we just got on here, talk Guardians, talk baseball. Just we're happy that baseball is back, and it seemed like the lockout was 99 days, but it seemed like a lot longer than three and a half months, to be honest. Joe, Ethan, what do you have to say for yourselves, and how are you guys doing? First off, thank you for having me. Happy to be the new guy here. I I just have to say I I think it is nothing short of a, a sign, a true sign that I got added to the footer of the website as an official contributor and 24 hours later, baseball is back. So I'm taking all the credit right now. That makes sense. I, I wouldn't, I have no problem with that <laughs> personally. So that is a, it was a long time coming of uh, just mental errors on my own uh, and Josh's part uh, that yeah, weren't added till now, but, uh, but no, yeah, excited for baseball to be back. I, I didn't realize how much I missed baseball until it came back. I think there was a part where it was, it was so much into football season and Cavs being good. And, uh, and now that baseball is back, it's become a, it's become a thing. I send, I think I sent three or four, uh, all caps emails to my wife today that, uh, baseball was back. So that, uh, I was, I was very excited. So Did it? I wonder if it eventually came up as spam. Like this person has literally sent the same email. They're yelling in the email. (laughs) But uh, the backstory on Ethan, by the way, Gerbs messaged me weeks ago saying, "Hey, can you put Ethan on like the bottom of the website?" I was like, "Yeah, I completely forgot to." And then yesterday, it just randomly occurred to me. Oh shit! I forgot to put Ethan on the bottom of the website. (laughs) And now, yeah, Ethan said, "24 hours, less than 24 hours later, baseball's back." So. Maybe these MLB players are read read waiting for next year. I don't know, but they might. Let's get into it. First, we'll start off with the new CBA, the major changes, I guess, from a fan perspective, and even just like the broader point. And then we'll get into uh, guard every anything and everything Guardians. So, Gerbs, you go first. I know you have a bunch of notes. Just tell me Dude, about I, the CBA from a fan perspective. I came prepared with the notes. So, um. What uh, what it looks like financially for Cleveland, it's not going to really change a whole bunch because they were a team that never was really up against the collective bargaining uh, threshold or competitive balance threshold, rather. Um, so that got raised. Uh, what that means is basically teams such as Boston or the Yankees have a higher margin that before they start having to pay into the tax that that money goes back to the uh, smaller market teams. Ethan, did uh, they upped the penalty for going over the t- CBT, right? Yes, but they did okay. add an additional layer. There used to only be three competitive balance thresholds. They added a fourth. 
Uh, so if anybody out there was furiously refreshing Twitter like we were over the course of the day, somewhere in the middle of the afternoon, you may have seen Heyman's bomb about something from the Mets camp, not enjoying where some of that money was at, because according to Fangraph's roster resource, uh, that fourth threshold has been set at $280 million, and the Mets payroll for 2022 is going to clock in at a cool $271.1 million. So any kind of deals they get would push them back up over that one. Yes. Um, so yeah, so again, for Guardians fans here, we're not going to really worry too much about the CBT on our team, obviously, but that does impact other spending on other teams. It allows for a little bit of motion, a little bit of movement on some of the higher end teams, but um, it does also have a greater penalty. So we may see, we may see Cleveland be able to put a little bit more money in because they would be getting more revenue shares back, but more than likely there's uh we're not going to really see that here as a, as a guardians um we also got to see there's more money for pre-arb players they're actually going to start doing a uh, 50 million dollar bonus pool um these are guys that are not in are they under team control uh ethan or are they are these team control guys or are these just pre-arb guys this, so this is just pre-arb guys so if they haven't okay. hit their two plus years of service time, depending on, we'll get into the new rookie of the year rules uh, as we get a little bit further into this. But yes, if they haven't hit their uh, arbitration hearing eligibility yet. Gotcha. And to add on that, that's entirely new money. None of that $50 million existed before, as far as I'm aware. No, they've never done this bonus pool before. Uh, This is brand new for this year that they're trying. So that's something that's uh, new for those guys. Um, We also have a a draft lottery for the top six picks. Uh, minimum salary is raised up from uh, to seventy thousand or seven hundred thousand um, dollars, and then at the end there's a it goes up to uh, seven hundred eighty thousand. There's no there's a universal DH that has been added so that takes before, it out of before you but, go on because I know we're going to talk universal DH and that is a big time thing. Top six for the draft lottery. Obviously, the MLB draft doesn't mean as much as the NFL draft and the NBA draft because it takes it usually takes longer for players to reach the MLB level. But why only the top six lottery? That I mean, like in the NBA, it's a lottery, but it's the non-playoff teams getting the lottery. Why for the MLB is a top six? Uh, Ethan would probably actually be able to talk to that about that more than me. Um, the I, I I am kind of base level on the prospect and draft things as a as a as a fan he would know uh, actually probably a little bit more than i um i just know that uh we're seeing an era now where we are seeing players that are getting drafted and then almost coming straight up so the the, that uh is definitely affecting some of those um the that those teams that are getting those players because they're seeing more immediate dividends to those picks. So you're seeing the, the teams that might be tanking more. They're trying to get to that top making a lottery, obviously keeps those teams from being, uh, you know, losing so much trading guys away at the deadline, all like all those kinds of things. Okay. Yeah. That was just a quick question, but continue on. Cause I know universal DH you were about to bring it up and that's seems like a big time thing, especially for us fantasy baseball guys. Yeah, um, we uh, we're gonna have a university H. That means uh, you've seen the last uh, pitcher hit in uh, in Major League Baseball. Probably, I forget who uh, Suspendus Barbecue actually had a uh, a tweet of who it was, and I don't remember who it was now. But I I should have remember I should have remembered to look for it. But it was somebody over the World Series that they uh, 
we're no longer going to have pitchers hitting, which is great. That uh, opens up uh, 15 new roster spots in the NL for guys that uh, might not have been able to play defense. But uh, looking for, as Cleveland, San Diego might not have traded Fran Mil Reyes to us all those years ago if they had a if they had a DH, they'd be able to keep him there. Their you know their outfield is so big out there that they just weren't able to play him, and uh, so now they they traded him to Cleveland, and now he's ours, and we're happy to have him. But yeah, that's just looking forward. That's something that is going to be a, a thing going uh, down the line. Ethan, do you have anything on that University H? I was going to say that's going to be huge uh, for quite a few guys. You know, we're, we're going to see larger payloads now for guys like Kyle Schwarber and Nelson Cruz who are still on this free agent market that we're kind of sitting in. But it's also going to be kind of interesting to see how some of these trades that happened last, last offseason or guys that might be on the block, uh, you know, a prospect out, uh, a prospect like Seth Beer, a first baseman prospect out in Arizona's organization who just does not seem to be able to field his position he came over originally from Houston and the Granky trade. And it just seems like a guy like that now has much more value. An NL club can trade for him because they want his bat. Or even guys that are going to debut in our own division this year, you're looking at a guy like Nick Prado in Kansas City. If he comes up and he can't hit or he can't field first base, which is his natural position, well, you now have a DH who's going to hit 245 and could be a 40 home run candidate in two years. He may be a 25 to 30 home run candidate this year as a rookie if he cracks that roster. So there's all kinds of new value cropping up, and that's going to be all over the NL and the AL as well. I, yeah, if you, I know you guys mentioned this, but, I mean, that literally opens up, what, 15 DH spots? And like you said, Kyle Schwarber, I mean, he has to love that. He's going to make probably a lot more money now instead of 15 teams vying for him. There's 30 MLB teams. But it'll just be interesting to see. Unless Bartolo Colon comes back to the MLB, I think pitchers have been done hitting in this league forever, which is well, I'm, with I'm the exception, fine with it. With the exception, we can't uh, – Bodie would be very angry with us if we did not mention Otani as a pitcher who hits. So, but How could we forget that, by the way? Okay, I, that's a special talent. Besides Otani, I think it's done for pitchers, unless it's like the 19th inning of a game and they just ran out of players. But, yeah, for the regular if, nine in the game, I think pitchers are done. If we're going to do a prop bet, if we're going to do a prop bet on that, I'm going to throw Michael Lorenzen's name out there. That Wherever he ends up yep. next year, he could sub in in the outfield for somebody. He did that with the Reds for years. They may let him swing a bat in the in the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning at some point, depending on where he lands. I mean, Anthony goes in our own uh, organization was an outfielder for however long before becoming a pitcher. So, who knows? I'm happy it's gone. To be honest, we had we were seeing too many pitchers that were getting hurt, running the bases, take you know taking swings that we're just unnecessary and you know uh, we don't need to have these double switch moves anymore and all that kind of stuff. We're, we're that that's all becoming uh, age old things now. So yes, about that. it's, it's long overdue. I feel like some pitchers are just like, they're hoping for a walk, but it's going to be a three pitch strikeout and it's just boring. And I mean, fans, I'm all about fans baseball tonight. If you can tell face baseball wise, that's going to hurt an all pitchers stock because that's probably mm-hmm three-ish less strikeouts a game as a starter. I'm not and actually probably like one and a half, but still that adds up. So it just, I'm so glad they finally went to the universal DH. It, it's long, long, long overdue. For sure. 
the other big uh, portion of this is um, they have gotten rid of the qualifying offer for this season. Um, that is, it's somewhat uh, up in the air because there's also an, an international draft that is that the owners really want the world draft um, that would allow for teams uh, like Cleveland, some of these small market teams to have more of a opportunity and chance to get the international talent. And also it pairs down some of the bonus money that those players get. Um, this is why owners want it. The players were fighting for it. Um, we're fighting against the international draft. Uh, so they can keep that player movement as much as possible. But there were, it was added so late to the process that both sides weren't able to really hone in and get it figured out before we were going to lose more games. So they tied uh, the qualifying offer to it. I think it's July 23rd. There's a deadline that to get the uh, draft figured out or the QO will come back for next year. Is that right, Ethan? Yeah, it's, it's July 25th, so that'll come up okay. this summer. And the, the world draft is something that, uh, I mean, not only was it a huge, absolute last-second monkey wrench, the more I've read about it and the more I've seen this current crop of international prospects, and some of the older guys like David Ortiz have even chimed in, you know, this seems like it's more of a world politics issue and not something the players' union should have been deciding on. So I'm really still trying to learn as much as I can about all that. But even Cleveland's own George Valera uh, tweeted out earlier this afternoon or maybe even yesterday, he had a fantastic point about how, you know, when you come from the Dominican or some of these other countries where these kids are signing at 13, 14, 15 years old, if you don't do great at baseball as a teenager in the States, you have university to fall back on. They don't yeah. have that in a lot of places that these guys come from. So it feels like this should have been an issue that is much larger than a baseball labor dispute. So we're kind of staring that in the face and that's going to be an ever changing thing. As we approach that July deadline, are the players going to draw, you know, are the players going to take a hit for some of those kids and say, we'll deal with the qualifying offer for four more years. If it means tabling the world draft until we have a system that works, or are they going to take the next few months and put forth something that they think could benefit both the MLB as much as they want it to and do right by these kids that they're going to be drafting. Yeah. They, the fact that like, you know, the, these writers are, we're, we're all literally paid to, to cover the sport. And we have no idea how this is all going to work out. We're still learning about it ourselves to put this in as a 11th hour hail Mary was super sneaky by the owners and, and really almost unethical to try to sneak that in and, and get that through. So um, I'm glad that they were able to figure out that it does need more time, that it wasn't something that needs to be agreed upon right now, that they were able to put some conditions on it. Um, but uh, I'm also glad they're wanting to give it the time that it actually deserves to take a look at and figure it out. Also glad that it, even though it's going to happen over the summer, the deadline will happen over the summer we're not going to lose any baseball over it. It's just going to be a QO situation, which the players desperately don't want because it's tampering down some of the, uh, you know, financial stuff that they're able to get the higher end of it. You have these guys that are um, mid-level guys that have the QO hanging on them by way. Of, and when I say QO qualifying offer, qualifying offer, 
it basically is kind of like a franchise tag in baseball. If you are we're football town here in Cleveland, it these players have to uh, the teams have to give up uh, draft picks if they sign a player that has been tagged with a qualifying offer. So um, teams that are, might be more um, or less inclined to sign these players that have been tagged and don't agree with to deals with their uh, teams that are losing them. So that would keep the player from gaining as much as possible. So that's why players are wanting to get rid of it. Keep it frees up their, uh, their availability. So, And that's what makes it such a tough thing. Like, you know, we, we just said, this is kind of a, a weird, even an ethics issue, like you said, and, you know, we're sitting here and now the players are in a position where in three months they have to decide what's more important. Do we want this qualifying offer gone or do we want to protect a certain sect of the next generation of players? Yeah, it's it, like, and we've been saying it's something that needs more time and I'm glad that it's going to have more time. So. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances to be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. I think that's it for bullet points off of this CBA. Ethan, is there anything else you can think of that was important for the CBA that was impactful for this year or possibly the next? Yes. So service time. Uh, this is an absolutely massive thing. And this very well could be something that relates to the Guardians uh, in the very, very near future. So part of ending service time manipulation was a big talking point. They want players to hit free agency earlier. They don't want guys to say, okay, well, if you call them up after you know, September 11th, and he doesn't add any service time. He still keeps his options, his eligibility, all of that. What they've started to do now is that the first and second place uh, recipients for the AL and NL Rookie of the Year awards will have a full year of service time added. So if a guy like Adley Rutschman in the Orioles organization comes up and he's a top five prospect in baseball, if he wins the AL Rookie of the Year, then playing one year earns him two years of service time. So the Guardians would tell 12 players on their 40-man who have never played a professional baseball game, who are all going to be rookies, that's going to be something that might get talked about with a George Valera, Stephen Kwan, some of those guys that might debut this year. But on the flip side, if you roster one of those guys on your opening day roster, teams get draft compensation, extra draft compensation for starting them out. So there's a little give and take um, I've seen some people calling for the end of writer voting for those types of awards because it might get a little bit biased. It might get kind of weird. So as a fan, it's going to be one of those situations to monitor as the year goes on. Yes, you want your young guys to succeed, but if you want them there longer, please finish third, George Valera, in 2023 AL Rookie of the Year. So it's going to be one of those. We'll, we'll have to see how it goes. That is from a fan perspective, because you guys are much more in the know about the CBA than me. Than me, um, that is very interesting. I kind of like it because, like, the Bryce Harpers of the world, they can just start off playing from day one. They're not called up like you said, like September, whatever it is, to have that service time. But then, yeah, like you want your guy to do well enough to finish third in the rookie of the year, but not win it or finish right. second. 
And then you look at guys like um, like Juan Soto, who came up as a 19-year-old and won a World Series with the Nationals. I mean, you're talking about a guy who could be entering his age 20 season, entering his third, quotations, year of service time. So it it might have missed a couple of guys, but like Gerbs was saying earlier, they're finding more and more of those ready-made guys at the top of the draft. This is really going to be a major factor going forward. Well, what was it? It was Bieber, Plezak, and Savali were all in the majors within three years of being drafted. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, go ahead. A World Series team recently had a reliever that was drafted the same year and then appeared in the, I hope it wasn't the, I hope it wasn't 2016 in the Cubs, but it was some, I forget the reliever and I couldn't even tell you the team name, but remember him, he was drafted and then appeared as a reliever. I'm 90% positive in the same year in the World Series, or maybe it was just the playoffs. I could be wrong, though. I could just be throwing this way out of left field. That does sound familiar, but I'm not 100% sure who that Either was. Either way, though, yeah, just like but, from a fan perspective, I feel like the chances of you playing like the same year like you would in the NFL and NBA are very slim compared to the MLB. For sure. It, but then again, it, I mean, the MLB, there's just so many minor leagues. I mean, there's like four to five minor league teams per team, and it's just it's a lot tougher to get through the system, put it that way. Yeah, that's for sure. For sure. Uh, so we want to talk about how what's next for Cleveland? Yes, I'm all about Guardian stock. All right. Uh, so March 17th is when spring train game spring training games are going to start. So that's literally a week from today. Um, we're gonna see. We're the uh, the Guardians Twitter already had a heading to Arizona post on their uh, their Twitter account. So uh, I know that they the uh, MLB. Players Association had set up a training facility in Arizona where a lot of players had been already. Um, I know Shane Bieber had been there. A couple other guys, I think, from uh, the Guardians organization were set up there. But um, I think reporting is as soon as within the next three days, you have to report to spring training and they'll get games underway as soon as possible. Um, That's uh, as far as report day. Like I said, free agency started... We still have not had anybody signed. Um, I was talking to a, a friend because I'm actually doing a uh, slow baseball draft where it's going over um, email and uh, um, a spreadsheet. And we were talking about the fact that uh, there's very few pitchers that are actually still remaining that are unsigned. Uh, Carlos Rodon, Clayton Kershaw actually hasn't gotten a team yet. Kenley Jensen hasn't gotten a team, but for the most part, it's the pitchers are, are pretty much signed. There's a lot of, there are a few hitters though, that are uh, of interest to the guardians that are available. Do you think uh, Ethan, that we are going to see any of these um, free agent bats come to Cleveland or are we uh, looking more at a trade market? I think the guardians have to address the trade market first and foremost. Um, You know, the name that I've seen, floated around a lot uh, attached to the Guardians is Tommy Pham. Uh, so yeah. veteran outfield candidate would slot into right field. Two years, 20 million seems to be the consensus on what he's looking for. And that's all well and good. But the problem that the Guardians have is that you have 12 players on the 40-man roster who have never played a game. And I'm almost not exaggerating when I say they're almost all shortstops. Pretty so much. That's they, not, they, it's, it's not wrong. They probably yeah. all played shortstop at some point in their life too. Yes. 
So, you know, from, from a basic roster building standpoint, you have Austin Hedges as your primary catcher, and you have Brian Lavastida, who has seven games at AAA as your backup. But we know we have Sandy Leon in the organization, so you need to open up a space for him, which means you need to make a trade. Who those candidates are, I can't say. I do not know. It's Cleveland. Anything can happen. But I think you need to work on that middle infield logjam before you can address a guy like Tommy Pham. But at the same time, Tommy Pham stove is not going to be what burns at 927 on a Thursday afternoon right after the lockout ends. So there is time to get your guys like Tommy Pham. The trade is what needs to be addressed first. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely do think that there's a um, at least a trade, if not multiple trades coming uh, for Cleveland. I would love to see a... Um, so, uh, Somebody on Twitter had posted uh, a Jesse Winker trade or something like that from the Reds. Um, there's just a bunch of guys that are out there that are, that have a glut of outfielders that uh, could use some of our, our guys. We're looking at guys like Gabriel Arias, uh, Tyler Freeman, uh, Brian Rocchio. All these guys are, are knocking on the door, not to mention Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, the guys that are already on the major league roster. Um so we uh, were those guys need to get moved out because Cle- Columbus can only play so many. Cleveland can only play so many middle infielders. These guys are going to need um, development too. So we, uh, you know, uh, I know we're probably looking at an Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez uh, middle infield combo with one of those as the uh, super utility guy, but even then you're still missing a couple guys that are down in Cleveland. So, or down in Columbus rather. So I, I want to double back to your point about the middle infielders. First of all, nonsense. We can stick anybody in the outfield. We want to, we've done it time and time again, for sure. But Jason Kipnis in the world series. All right, continue. <laughs> he did not commit an error, but I will, I do have to go back to the trade point and Cleveland fans. I have to beg you temper your expectations. For guys, sure. We are not going to trade for Brian Reynolds or Cedric Mullins. That would require giving up most of those 12 guys on the 40, on. and that's just where we're starting. You didn't include Juan Soto on that list. <laughs> Bode has, Bode has, Bode has a flowchart, and that's the only reasonable explanation for a J-Ram trade. But that's the only the, – you're looking at Soto. That's the only reasonable explanation. But anyway, moving off of that, um, I do agree. As much as I would love to see a Brian Reynolds and his uh, – Michael Brantley doubles bat in Cleveland. I, uh, we do would tell Marte, uh, Cedric Mullins. These guys are, are guys that probably are not going to be, uh, wearing a guardian's Jersey this summer, but, um, there are lower end guys that, uh, could be available. I mentioned Winker. Um, we could even see, you know, we're probably not going to see a Castellanos, uh, Cassiano's free agency, but we could see, Tommy Pham, we could see um, even a bright, uh, oh gosh, I just lost his name, Anthony Rizzo uh, as a first baseman. It's a possibility. We don't know what the Cleveland's financials are, especially with MLB adding the uh, the money from their uh, TV deals they made with Apple TV Plus and Peacock to show games. We don't know what, uh, what these franchises are going to be getting from that um, and how soon, but the team could have a little bit more free agent money than we were anticipating. 
before we go on, I know you brought up Tommy Pham and Anthony Rizzo. Michael Bode, R.O. Michael Bode, said that that's his like dream scenario for a free agency. What do you think the contracts will look like for those two? And what are the chances that you – like, is that like a dream that's probably not going to happen, or is it like a realistic dream? That – Gerbs, can I take this one? Go for it. Bodie, I love you, but come on, man. All right, look, we're <laughs> we're a team that's getting really, really young. I mean, it feels like we've had Jose Ramirez forever, and he's going to turn 29 this year. Well, we have. I, I mean, wait, are you? Real. He's only 29. Holy, 29 God. or 30? Yeah. If he's you just said he's like 38, guy. I would have believed you. It right. literally seems like you're right. It literally seems like he's been in with the Indians slash Guardians now forever. But, you were uh, also you were also super shocked that uh, Ricky Rubio was 31. So I don't know. Too. Ricky Rubio. I mean, it seems like Ricky Rubio has been in the NBA since I was younger. I don't know. People age differently. I guess. But, so my point and where I'm headed with that is that like I feel those are moves together that we would make if we felt like we were contending this coming season. And I really still think 2023 is the target date for the Guardians. Now, don't get me wrong. We finished 80 and 82 last year with less than one functioning pitcher and the world's most mediocre offense. So that rotation is going to be healthy this year. Hopefully the offense should improve ideally with some of these young guys coming up and getting their chance and the scourge that is Ty Van Berkeley was gone. So I really expect to see a little bump in the runs per game. Um, and then we'll touch on this shortly, but 2023 Jose Ramirez is going to be a completely different monster than the past seven years, Jose Ramirez. But as much as I like Rizzo, I don't know if he necessarily would come to Cleveland for, you know, he's in his early mid thirties. Now he might be 33, 34 off the top of my head. And he's not going to sign a two-year deal to be a bridge guy for one year and have Bobby Bradley back him up to have one year of contending. If some of these core new guys pan out and can carry us to a world series, I think he's going to go chase He's going to go chase a ring with an organization that's right there. You know, I think he makes way too much more sense for the Braves if they let Freddie Freeman walk. And there's also nothing stopping him from returning to the Yankees. So I just don't know if we're the most attractive organization for him. I completely agree with that, unfortunately. Going over, just (laughs) matching up a couple of points. Rizzo is 32. He's going to turn uh, 33 in August. So... Yeah, does definitely doesn't fit in our window of uh, of age range. Um, I I'm I'm really not on the Rizzo train. I don't think that this is a if this is a if we make the playoffs, yay, kind of a year. Um, I I do think we will see some improved uh, play from some of the guys on offense, um, but I think we just have too many guys that our own problem to fix at first base, Bobby Bradley, what are we going to do with Josh Naylor when he comes back? If he comes back, what's right. What's uh, Nolan Jones going to do? Where's his position coming up? Um, I, I, I like having first base open as an option. I would, I would love to have a Carlos Santana that I know is going to be there, but I would rather, try to find that next guy because that's what we're going to look for the next couple of years rather than just go the free agent route every couple of years. And um, we might already have him, you know, one right. of these 12 players is John Kensi Noel. 
who, if you look him up online, is listed as third base, but there's no way that man stays over there. But he is your prototypical power-hitting first baseman. He's got better speed and better feet than people think he does looking at him. But, uh, you know, we're talking about a guy who you may have seen go viral this past season who hit back-to-back 450-foot home runs in the same game. He hit 19 home runs as a 19-year-old. Like, uh, this guy's right there, and he's already on 40, man. Yeah, right. Um I, I don't know that you're going to get Anthony Rizzo at the deal that uh, that Bodie wants him at. I don't think he's signing for 13 mil per year. Um, I uh, I'm just not seeing that as a as a viable option for him. I don't think that's something he that he's going to sign for. Um, I do think the Fangraphs projection for Tommy Pham is around uh, two years, 20 mil, which is about right. This is about 10 million dollar player. Um, for reference, we signed with uh, Eddie Rosario for eight mil last year, so uh, that's a deal that Cleveland can make and not really hurt too much, um, especially with some of the uh, saving moves that they've done over the years. Their salary is already low, and uh, it's not getting not. We, let's hope, cross our fingers, it's not getting any lower than what it already is. But um, you know, adding some of those guys that Tommy Fams uh, that. At that low cost value, that could be a guy that, if it doesn't work out, is flippable at the at the deadline and, and possibly getting something back for him. Speaking of, on all of those points, Eddie Rosario, doors <laughs> open, buddy. Come on back. Come he, on back. <laughs> I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine today. I said, you know, that's a guy that he did decent when he was in Atlanta. Not really sure why it didn't work out for Cleveland, but he, he did well when he actually uh, made it to the Braves, so... Looking at the outfield, I just went on Indian step chart or Guardian step chart. Sorry, Oscar Mercado and Bradley Zimmer. If there are no free agent signings in the outfield, are they really projected to both start in at the corners? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I, I don't think, especially with us needing to pull a trade, I don't think there's any way we keep both of them. I think Bradley did enough last year to save his spot. I think this is just we're counting down the days on Oscar Mercado right now. He just never recovered after that electric 2019 season. Um, but I, I absolutely, even if he's terrible in camp, I think Stephen Kwan usurps Oscar Mercado and takes the everyday starting left fielder role right out of camp as a 24-year-old. So, yeah, yeah I'm, the, the I'm only on thing for certain, sorry, Gerbs, the only You're thing right. for certain in Cleveland is straw in center. That's all we have. That's all we need. That's all we need. I love Miles Straw. There's, I love. He is, he's for sure my second favorite player on the team, right behind right behind Jose. Miles Straw is, is right there with me. It's it's I, ludicrous. Him 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 and Nicky Lopez are the only players last year who hit less than five home runs and put up four plus WAR. I, I mean his his thirty stolen bases, his defense. That dude could win a platinum glove. I mean it is ridiculous how much value he brings to the table with zero power. Yeah, and I love that he, the Indians, or the Chiefs, out in the Cincinnati Cleveland. I love that the Guardians have an everyday center fielder that also bats leadoff. It's because, I mean, for, I mean, just like I said, Jason Kipnis in 2016, it seems like forever that they've had an everyday center fielder that you can literally count on every day and bat leadoff and just steal all the bases for you. It's old an, school, it's an, cool, man. Yep, I was going to say it's an old school mentality, having a good. Fast defensive center fielder hitting leadoff. That's uh, it's 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 old school baseball. But and you know that's it. He's he's just that good. And we we really stole him from Houston. I don't. Uh, I, I know Diaz was a good prospect, but 
to to make that trade, I'd do that over and over and over again. So yeah, he's definitely the piece that hurts, not Mayton. Which no. Mayton, you had some time here. Thank you, but Straw is a very nice consolation prize for you. For sure. Before we, before we move on, I'm gonna add one more thing because I'm just looking at the depth chart. Josh Naylor, I know he moved to first base a little bit before he got hurt. Is he in the cards at all this year, or is that just like a hope he's back, but it's probably not going to happen? Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, I think that was good enough. I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) There's every report that I think that he's healthy, but we don't know what. I mean, that was such a gruesome injury that it's it's hard to say where what he's going to be i think the last report i saw um that i looked for somebody on twitter was in december he was um at a free agent uh, at a, a workout facility doing reps but that's about all that we uh we know at this point there's not really much more um that we have planned for him so or that we've heard about it so uh i i would love to see him he's up there as one of my favorite players, just the way his his mentality for the game and definitely is one of those does it the right way kind of a guy that, you know, uh, the approach is hard, but he's he's got the power to do it and the ability. Um, he could be a guy that we see at, at first base this year if Bradley struggles, if, you know, they're not ready to pull the Nolan Jones card yet, um, that they want to keep him at third for reasons of Benoist to uh, the lay fans. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with Josh, uh, trying to get back and, and, and do it in, at, at first, but it's just hard to say with, with his injury. Yeah. Josh is in a really not great spot and that's not on him at all. I mean, that injury was so gruesome and he suffered it while playing right. And you would almost assume that, just for his safety, you don't want him patrolling the outfield. So you're going to try and DH him. You're going to try and stick him at first base. But at the same time, while he was down with that injury, the farm system made such huge leaps and bounds, and guys have caught up and may have even already passed him without playing at the major league level yet. So not only do we have to have him come back and hope he's healthy, but he's got to probably earn a spot among this next crop of guys. Yeah. It's it's Cleveland's and nothing is nothing is given, everything is earned, and he's gotta he's gotta really try. So that was probably the corniest thing I've ever said in my life. So I apologize. I don't it's been often used in every Cleveland team's hype video at some point in the last decade. You're fine. I didn't hear the black keys <laughs> and I didn't hear Tom Cruise. We're good. Tom Tom Hanks. Or Tom Hanks, yes, I'm sorry. Wrong Tom. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so um Ethan, who do you think is going to get the first base nod out of 
Give me give me your starting nine for opening day. As of right now, no signings, no uh, no movement. Sure. So, God, the worst of it. Okay. Um, so we already covered the outfield. You're going to see Straw in center. You're probably going to see Mercado in left, and you're going to see Zimmer in right based on how roster is currently constructed. You're going to you're, gonna, you're like, not going to go after Quan. You're not going to. Okay, so currently constructed, I guess I can expand to the forty man. Yes, I'm absolutely going to stick Quan in left. Right. We're going to bump Mercado down to fourth outfielder because in this exercise I can't get rid of him. Right. Yet, um, Hedges is going to catch. Um, I would love to just throw Lavastida into the fire. I previewed him a couple of weeks ago. I absolutely love what he brings to the table. Everything I've read about that guy is that he absorbs the game like a sponge. It shows in his game. I, I mean, he swung a hot bat at every level last year. He went from high A to triple A in one season. Granted, it was seven games at triple A, but he did some impressive things along the way. But I know Leon's going to take that backup role. Because he's going to be the only healthy one, the world's biggest Bobby Bradley hater is going to take the L and is going to stick Bobby Bradley at first base to start the year. We're going to see Andres Jimenez at second base. As much as I would prefer him at short, those are from the GM himself, Mike Chernoff. So we're going to put the defensive adventure that is a mid Rosario at shortstop. And then Jose Ramirez, the GOAT, playing third base. Uh, does the, well, the shift is going to be banned next year, not this year. I was going to ask if that was going to hurt uh, Rosario at all. Um, but I think it would actually help him stay over on that side rather than try to um, move over. But who knows for Rosario That's or it. for J Ram? Uh, well, it would be for J Ram actually probably would hurt him a little bit more. Cause he'd have to more of a space, but um, actually, I, I think J Ram's value is going to skyrocket with the shift band. That's true. Um, you know, we're talking about a guy who, when he suffered that three quarter season slump, it's because Ty Van Berkeley was trying to make him use the whole damn field. Right. I was talking on I was talking more on defense than offensive. Um, gotcha. But um but yeah, you are right. I do agree that that those Joey Gallo is all of a sudden gonna be a two fifty hitter instead of a two hundred. Uh, Jose know? Ramirez is gonna slash something crazy like three twenty, four ten, seven fifty with not being able to put a guy now. The shift being banned is going to be kind of a play it by ear thing. We don't know the specifics of that yet because it won't start until 2023. But what does that mean? Okay, well, you can't put three guys on the left side of the infield with your second baseman 25 feet deep into right field waiting for Jose Ramirez to smash one up into the gap, right? Right. But, you know, how close can teams get? Can I put my shortstop standing practically on second base? Can I still put my second baseman standing kind of shallow into right field? Now my is, first he in the, is he in the grass? Is he... Does he have yeah. to be on the dirt? Is he able to be in the grass? Right. So we're still kind of waiting to see what that's going to look like. And there's a new rules committee that I want to address here in a minute. But, you know, if it is shift is just gone and second baseman has to stand, you know, halfway between second base and first, Jose's going to hit 330. And almost nothing's going to stop. Him. Which means sign him. I'm sign all for that. Him. Sign him before the shift ban. All yes. right. Noted. Uh, outfield, I'll take that. So you already said, uh, probably Zimmer in right field, Straw in center, and Quan in left. Yes. Um, rotation, you're thinking Bieber obviously is going to be the ace. Tristan, number two. Please act number three. Spally. I think 
if we're going to get into the rotation depths, I think you're looking at Bieber, Quantrill, Savale, Tristan, Zach. Yeah. Um, you know, Zach was a 10 game winner, but a lot of his game regressed last year. I can't justify giving Savale the two again. You know, his peripherals are not great, despite how effective he's been. It's one of those things where anything can happen with him. He gives up a ton of hard contact. He's one of those guys who might not be benefiting all that much from the shift being gone after next year. But I think Cal did enough to prove that he could be a two relatively consistently. And uh, I mean, Sticks has one of my favorite prop bets of all time right now with Marcus Stroman going into this season. Stroman offered that guy a Rolex if he pitches 160 innings and keeps his ERA under like a 3.7. So I am nice. all here to watch Sticks just blossom this year for 95 for 160 innings. I think he could be our four. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the vaunted pitching machine that is the Cleveland uh, development system, it, it has, a, there's a lot more risk there than in the years previous, I think. And that's a, that's a little, uh, especially because we had to cut so many. JC Mejia, Mejia is gone now. Um, you know, we have Eli, uh, not Eli, is it Eli Morgan? Yes. Okay. I was, for some reason, having a blank out as thinking that was not his name. Um, but Eli Morgan is still around, but, you know, these we don't we don't want to see these guys. We want these guys to develop in Columbus a little bit more. But um, I think we saw a little bit more cracks than we were planning on last year, and that's uh, – but that death is pretty much gone. So, yeah. Josh, do you, do you have anything else for us? I don't – I just hope Oscar Mercado is not the starting left fielder. So, whoever <laughs> – I don't know the guy's name. Did you say Quan? Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan. I, as a fancy, my draft will be coming up in the next few weeks. That, that name has to be noted for me because if he's an Indian starting left fielder, I'm all for it. But could be a late round steal for you. Just he's not his power. His, I was gonna say, his hit tool is better than his power tool. Okay. He's he's got as good a hit tool as possible. And, yeah, they um, graded him 80 in Fangraphs uh, zips, or not the zips projections, the Fangraphs writers gifted Stephen Kwan an 80-grade hit tool, which is as good as it gets. And in the Q&A following that, I think it was, was it Zimborski or was it Logan Hagen who said he'd only awarded an 80-grade hit tool to four other players since he'd been doing that. So Kwan is oh, with some pretty elite company with how scouts and writers are evaluating his ability to hit a baseball. But it's not for power. He's gonna be, he's gonna be a doubles machine, and he's gonna be a singles machine with a great on base percentage. He hardly walks, but he hardly strikes out. It's gonna even itself out. So a lot of hard contact, a lot of gaps. I'm all for that, especially with Miles Straw leading off too. One, two, three. I see a future of Straw, Quan, Jaram. Boom, boom, boom. Maybe not throwing in Valera. See, I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about Valera. I see. That's why I'm. I'm like the MC tonight. I don't. I, I have right. questions as like a fan perspective. I'm. I play fantasy baseball, but minor leagues are just or guys like up and coming. That's just way over my head. We'll let it slide. I'll forward you some of my writing. Yes. Well, besides, and by the <laughs> way, I meant to shout that out. If you guys haven't read Ethan's work on waitingfornextyear.com, he does some fantastic prospect previews. Please go check it out. Whether it's, when we make the post tomorrow, we can probably tag a lot of those in the uh, in the post I'm all and, for it. Uh, and prep it. So we can see all the uh, the 12 guys that we added to the 40-man roster. So Yeah, if those you're a Guardians fan or well. 
What'd you say? Sorry, Ethan. Those will resume now as well. I apologize. I took last week off because I wasn't sure what was going on with the lockout. So we're going to get back into it this weekend. We'll probably work on a guy like Richie Palacios or a Brian Rocchio this week, but we'll see what's coming in the pipeline shortly. Um, yeah, those uh, those uh, prospect previews are fantastic. So whether you're a Guardians fan or a fancy baseball guy that wants another or some up and coming guys, if you're a keeper league, just go read Ethan's work on wayfinextra.com. You'll love it. All right. Yeah, I think we are we're pretty good. Is there anything else, Ethan, do you want to go over for uh, CBA or Guardians or anything like that? That was going to have meaning. Not anything super Cleveland specific. Um, there is one thing that if you're a fan of the game as a whole, I'd like you to keep on uh, or keep an eye on rather. Um, part of this. And then he left. Oh, that was me. I actually just clicked. Oh. I was like, wait, where'd he go? And oh my God. My mouth sorry. Sorry. No, he's you're back. good. He's back. He's back. Um, so 2023, when we start seeing the, the shift ban come into effect and the pitch clock and the, the larger bases, the other thing that's going to get added is a rules committee. Uh, so baseball can now implement any rule with just 45 days notice. They used to have to give an entire off season really? for that. And the players used to have no say in that. The system's going to be a bit wonky from how I've seen it. Uh, it's going to be an 11-man panel. Uh, we're going to have six representatives of MLB as an organization, four players, and an umpire. It requires majority vote, which means the owners always have majority of vote since it's a six-to-five ruling. So just keep an eye on that. I don't predict any game-changing or world-ending rule changes being proposed but if there's something that you see that you don't like or the players are starting to rumble that they don't like it, the system's not perfect. So 2023 could be something to keep an eye on. Sounds good. Yeah, so I'm excited. We will keep you updated over at WFNY um, out on our on our Twitter account. We're, we're still working a, uh, a, a pattern out for that. Josh and I pretty much try to handle that as much as possible but uh if we get any free agency moves or if we see any trades we'll try to update there um we have we have long been out of the headline game we don't do that kind of thing here anymore but uh we will definitely have some sort of a recap or something if uh if, if that comes along um we have all we have all of ethan's uh previews coming up uh already banked and uh already uh, in the mix coming up on, on those and we'll get sort of ready for our, our priests and stuff as we go along here. So I, I will probably pop on the, this with Josh every once in a while, maybe Ethan as well. Um, as we get closer to um, Mitch had talked about possibly doing a podcast over the summer as well. Um, we also still have uh, the uh, TD and uh, Matt Derry, the Derry bros will be on a, they said they have a podcast ready for Monday coming out. So uh, we will speaking see. of, Speaking of TD, I'm hoping to get him on here with, I think you can do four people on this. If you can't, we're going to figure out a way. So, yeah, like like Gerb said, not to interrupt you, Gerbs. Right. It will for sure be us three, and I'll try to add in like a TD or, I mean, the Dairy Bros, they know their stuff just like you two do. So I'm all for bringing them on too. And then again, they have their own podcast. But, right. yeah. I, yeah, that'll I mean, be, I, I did see a tweet from TD today that said they, uh, him and Matt will have a, a podcast ready for Monday, so. I just can't believe that Guardians baseball is back. 
MLB's back, and opening day isn't April 7th? Less, literally less than a month, and they haven't even started spring training yet. That is, like, bonkers to me. Yeah. Well, these guys have all, they're all, you know, athletes at the height of their game. They've been practicing and getting ready for things. But, uh, but yeah, so super excited about baseball being back and super excited to spend the, uh, the summer with you guys uh, getting ready for that. So, And maybe we can get Bodie on here and make an appearance and show his face for once. Maybe, 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 maybe. He may have to have the video off or something. Who knows? <laughs> put up, a, put up a, 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 Zoom, a Zoom picture. Is he that much of an enigma? We sometimes we just never know, you know. Or just you have know. it be. Remember how Mike Hattery joined? One we can put the we like can put the non picture up. That's fine. And you put the non picture, picture, picture up. It literally Great. said Mike Hattery from WaitingForNextYear.com, and it was a picture of Jeff Nomina. It was incredible. Yep, completely, oh, goodness. completely different person. It was great. So. But is that it? I'll close this it. out. If that's, that's all it. I got. I gotta say, I got nothing else. I've already prepped what we got going up for the week. Uh, like I said, this will be coming up. Uh, I told you to tag Ethan's prospect stuff in the in the list, and if there's any moves, we will uh, also uh, put our Discord on there too. Um, we always have that Discord up. We're we're in it uh, every day, multiple times a day, um, and uh, we have we'll do. I don't know. I haven't quite figured out. Talk to the guys about what we'll do for the the games this year, this year for Game Thread. Um, I don't know that we're going to do all 162 in Game Thread, but there may be a day where we're, once a week we we're all watching the game and, and commenting on that. We may try that. Um, but we're trying to we're trying some new things at WFNY this year that uh, get you guys more more of us, more content, and more ways to uh, communicate with us as to what you are wanting as well. So. Shoot us a message, join our Discord to let us know what you're uh, what you're wanting if you uh, are asking for stuff. Or and like I said, it's our Discord's a pretty good community to talk to. Um, even even our just our private side talks are, are great. We uh, we had I, I think and we were talking through some Brown stuff on our private side, and Andrew uh, was saying that uh, it was like therapy today that we were working through some work working through some stuff, but. Yeah, we have a pretty good community over here on Discord. Make sure you guys join us and uh, and join that. So. And speaking of podcasts, maybe I know Seth and I are doing a weekly Cavs podcast. Maybe once the Guardian season starts, maybe this can be a weekly podcast too. Just like a recap, just anything and anything Guardians. And I mean, like Gerb said, we're not really much of a headline site anymore. But if the Indians, or Josh, Dana, if Cleveland makes a big-time signing or a big-time trade of some sort, maybe we'll pop on here for like a emergency podcast, quote-unquote. Just I I mean like you guys. Know That's what today is. I, yeah, I messaged exactly. true. I messaged, true. I messaged around three o'clock and said I'm doing a podcast. Who wants to do it? So true. The more yeah, Guardians I'm, content, I'm the better. For... It's why I'm here. So right. And I'm from a fan perspective, I learn a lot just from listening to you guys because like I know the Jose Ramirez is of the world, but like Valera and those guys. I, I was that even his name? Was it Valera? George Valera. Valera. George Valera. George Valera. I you could tell me he is the best pitcher in the world, and I'd think that you were right, and I don't even think he's a pitcher. He's so not. that shows you where I'm at in my like with the minor league stuff. So yeah, I love just listening to this, and I'm I'm ready for some daily baseball, especially day games where you can listen to it on the radio while you're working. I'm all for that. For I sure. have missed Tom Hamilton almost more than anything. <laughs> all right, but I guess that's it for tonight. That's it. We'll be back with you definitely before Soon. opening day. Yes. yes, before opening day, before April 7th, for sure. You can count on it no matter what. Absolutely. But for those of you that joined us live, we appreciate it. Um, 
Dave, I have nothing. Dave, I have nothing to say about Baker Mayfield right now. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Everyone that joined the slide besides Dave Sterling, we appreciate you. Please, we will try to include your comments as long as they're not about the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Uh, I don't even know what to say anymore. But for those of you that joined the slide, we appreciate it. Like Gerb said, join our Discord. We're always there talking anything and everything Cleveland sports related and actually anything NBA, MLB. Um, and yeah, and the, for those that uh, you're listening to us, wherever you listen to your podcast, we appreciate you as well. And we will be back with you in less than a month. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.